great. Welcome back to another episode of BP Radio. On this episode, we will explore the differences between parliamentary and presidential government systems. Just so we're all on the same page, we will be defining a presidential form of government as one in which the legislative and executive branches are separate. A parliamentary form of government has a chief executive that is part of and elected from the legislative body. Most of North, Central, and South America has a presidential government. India and most of Europe have parliamentary governments. Some countries, such as Spain, Canada, and the United Kingdom, have constitutional monarchies, but for all intents and purposes, they are parliamentary governments. For this discussion, we will not be focusing on countries with other forms of government, such as semi-presidential. My name is Julia Costin, and today I'll be joined by two of my fellow classmates, Carson Bauer. Hey, Julia. And Electra Bambihaninu. Hi. Carson is from Atlanta, Georgia, USA, and Electra is from Athens, Greece. We're going to start this podcast based on lived experience and prior knowledge, and later we will look at some data about the two government systems and see how it reflects or contradicts our experiences. So to start off, could you just quickly both explain how voting works where you're from? So what offices do you vote for? Are you in a single member district, etc.? Carson, you can start. All right. So voting in the U.S. happens on three different levels. We have the local level, uh, the municipal level, the state level, and the federal level. The local level, we vote for candidates who uh, interact with our communities on a day-to-day basis. Okay, so on the state level, we have um, politicians who make decisions for our state, of course, and then on the federal level, we have representatives who we send up to uh, make decisions for the entire country. Um, as well as the president, who, of course, is acts as the uh, figurehead and um, makes executive decisions for the entire country. Great, thanks. Uh, so as far as I know, we have, I don't know how to define it, there are elections that you can vote for, like, the the political leaders that will run every district of, like, of the country. Um, and then when it comes to the government, um, we have these elections where you basically vote for the different political parties that will be on the parliament. And then there's another one that shows which which political party will actually be like the, the leader, the ruler of the government. So who will be like the prime minister. Um, that's how basically we define it. And then there's another type of elections that like um, we decide which political parties will represent Greece in the European Parliament. So I'd say it's like three levels. Do you vote for like one representative for your where you live or is it that you're voting for multiple people? When it's in a district you vote for one person. When it's for the government it's a political party. Perfect. Thank you. Can you both just give a description of how legislating works for our listeners very briefly? Um, so on the federal level, we have our legislative branch is composed of two chambers. So it's bicameral. It's, of course, the Senate and the House of Representatives. In the Senate, there are two senators from each state. In the House of Representatives, there are representatives who are elected from specific districts. And basically, in order for a bill to pass Congress, it has to gain a majority of support or a majority of votes from each or each uh, chamber of the legislative branch, and uh, at which point it gets sent to the president. 
And just to remind our listeners, we also have the filibuster in the United States Senate, which means that um, sometimes you need two thirds of the that b- branch to vote to actually get the bill to a vote. Um, sorry, three fifths. Uh, they changed that three fifths supermajority, um, and so it's not always just a simple majority. Okay, I really don't know the details, but I think so. There's someone very, very simply put, someone has the idea that we should pass this law. They discuss it in the parliament. The majority of the parliament says yes. Then it goes on like to a next level of kind of discussion about it. And I think that before it gets to the final point where it is approved by the leading political party, it has also to be like voted in favor by the second leading political party, which is always like, it's called like the, um, uh, I don't know how to translate it. But anyway, it's like the opponent of the first political party. It has the second most powerful place in the government. So they have to approve it too. To, to pass as a law. So that's just a little background information for everyone. And now I'm going to ask you know, some more opinion questions. So are you happy with your current style of government that you live in? I think I'm pretty satisfied by the way that by the way it is supposed to work. I mean, because what it actually happening is <laughs> not that satisfactory. But like it's I think I think it's good to have a variety of political parties. We don't have like in the US only two like two parties i think that's that's really weird because anyone can basically create their own political party and run to be in the parliament um so you you have like different political views on a spectrum and not like in a binary way so in theory i think it's it makes okay so in our current system i am okay with it in theory but there are a couple of problems that have arisen um, in a more polarized country like the one that we're living in now, which kind of make the current systems of, uh, of legislation a little bit more difficult to live in or difficult to like understand. Um, the first thing is the fact that, you know, with the Senate right now being split 50-50 between Republicans and Democrats, um, there is a significant overrepresentation of Republicans in the Senate and the fact that, you know, Republicans represent states with like a lot lower of a population and therefore there is not a good representation of like the specific um, like ideological values of like a lot of Americans based on what based on the representation in the Senate. The second thing is the filibuster, um, which, you know, used to be a thing where senators had to you know, or, or politicians, because it used to be in the House, but it's not anymore, used to have to, you know, stand in front of the chamber and, like, actively give a speech. Um, right now, they... Um, right now, the filibuster isn't even, like, an active action. Yeah, the politicians can just threaten to filibuster. They don't actually have to do anything, which makes it much easier. There are, like, a, there's, like, a substantial limit on, like, what the majority party can actually accomplish because of the filibuster, you know, it requires 60 votes now to overcome. That segues very nicely into my next question, which was is going to be, um, what's some pros and cons about the government system that you currently live under? So Carson, we heard your con. What's a pro? Well, a pro of this system is that it does definitely facilitate a lot more collaboration um, because our country is so polarized there's a lot less collaboration now and uh, you know with 
the system of the filibuster in place, it basically forces the parties to try to get together and understand what they have in common in order to pass legislation. That's a positive spin on something I've only ever heard negative spins on. So thank you for that. I really like that. Um, and Electra. Okay, so I talked about like the pro, I think, kind of before, like the way in theory there's supposed to be a variety of political parties. You don't get just Democrats, Republicans kind of way. However, um, like based on the, the history of Greece itself, at the end of the day, the only two political parties that lead are either like the right or the left wing. So it, it keeps on going in a polarized way anyway. Um, so I'd say that's like con and that like it separates like the the political views of, of Greek citizens and it doesn't really change. The next question is, do you generally attribute attribute features of other countries that you like to their government system or the failings of your your own to yours? So, for example, I've frequently found myself thinking that like we could get more legislation passed in the United States if we had a parliamentary government system because it seems to me much easier to pass legislation in that type of government system. So do you actually think about these things when you look at other countries or do you not really think about the how our structure of government or your own structure of government um, like generates the pathways to passing legislation? Um, no, I don't generally think about if other systems of government would be more effective at passing legislation, but I think that, you know, if other government systems are more effective at passing legislation, you know, as we we're talking about the pros and cons of the systems, I feel like there m would be other drawbacks to them that, you know, could have benefits in other systems. Um, yeah, so when I think about the, like, the U.S. government and the way of passing legislation, I think it's much more complicated and I feel like it takes a lot longer to actually pass a law um, because of the different levels. So compared to that, only to the U.S. actually, yeah, I think it's slower. So in Greece, I guess, faster. But I, I don't know the actual facts, though, like how actually a law is passed. Okay, um, I have one more question for you, and then I will be presenting some data. So the last question is going to be, do you um, think that the government system influences life besides just policy? So, for example, polarization in the United States is often um, associated to, with our two-party system. So, I might have just stole your answer, Carson, but I'll let you take it away. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. I definitely think that polarization is caused by um, a two-party system. It, it almost makes it as if politics is like a sports game where like you know you're cheering for your team and like if they you know if the other team basically like does something that you don't like you're gonna hate the other team for it and so like it basically forces you to pick a side and support that side regardless and so there are you know very few people in the middle now who are indifferent thank you okay and um Electra yeah um I will agree on that it's I feel definitely the same way um because in Greece, the laws and the actual like legislative decisions that are being made are not that known as they are in the U.S. Like we don't talk about the things that actually pass in the parliament. What we talk about is the little gossipy stuff that one political party will do and the other will like react. It's definitely like about people 
being divided and fighting over values that I don't f- I feel like they don't really think deeper. They just they just claim it because it belongs to the political party they support. And as I said, because in theory it could be like a spectrum of parties, but in the end it's just binary, it really divides divides people. So it has an effect on society. Okay. That concludes uh, our section of just kind of lived experience and prior knowledge. Now I'm going to introduce a couple of data sets, some um, studies that have been done, and and we're going to talk about that. For our more scholarly readers, just so you know, I'll be introducing these these sets of information based on the author's last name of the paper that I read. But I'll be like, if you are interested, I'll be providing full citations at the end of this podcast. Um, Okay, so to get into it, Some legislative research done on presidential versus parliamentary systems say that basically parliamentary systems are more effective at legislating. Dyer-Meyer says that between the start of Eisenhower and George H.W. Bush's terms, 68% of legislation was passed by U.S. presidents. So there was a 68% legislative success rate. Whereas in the United Kingdom, there was a 94% success rate between 1994 and 2003. Um, This paper proceeds, progresses to give a couple explanations for this. It says that basically in parliamentary governments, the party in charge has more of an control over the agenda. And there's also this thing called the confidence procedure, which says that if the um, executive loses the support of the legislative majority, he continues regardless in a presidential system. Whereas in a parliamentary system, the executive can link the fate of the bill to the fate of the ruling coalition. So the incentives for cooperation are very high. The presidential um, government systems, there's broader support for legislation, but there's more gridlock, as Carson noted earlier. So basically, it's more rigid. Whereas in a parliamentary government, the legislative actions can be quicker and more decisive, but the underlying support comes from narrower constituencies. Also, this legislation is more volatile, so it can be easily dismantled. Um, when a different party comes into power. So I don't really have any questions, but like if anyone here has any thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it you know, it obviously makes sense that it is easier to pass things in a parliamentary system. Um, I feel like there are, you know, because it's more difficult to pass things in a presidential system, there are two sides to this. So on the pro side, I think that making it a little bit more difficult to pass legislation means that there are less rash decisions or things that can like, it just makes decisions more well thought out. Um, There's more scrutiny over decisions. There's more time for the general population to react to legislation. Um, There may even be more like political participation, um, understanding of specific legislation. And, um, you know, so you won't have things that basically go under the radar of the citizens but on the other hand of the on the other side of this um the con side by making legislation more difficult to pass you have certain bills that you know have have super super strong support but are being held up and because it's so difficult to pass them the ineffectiveness of uh the legislature could you know uphold very dire legislation there are definitely pros and cons to um having a less effective legislature Hmm. My comment would be that maybe how the the easiness of passing laws makes them very easy to like change back to something different or like like they take them back when another political party is in charge. And an example I could bring to that is education because in Greece like the educational system changes all the time the way 
the final exams work after each grade. And in Greece, at the end of high school, you take exams in order to go to a university. It's like very critical for so many students. And that changes literally every four years, every time like a political party is in charge because it's usually left, right, and then again left, right. So this is it's not a steady thing. I think that the easiness of passing laws makes some stuff that are really fundamental to people's life unstable. So that's my comment on that. Sorry. <laughs> um, for people listening, I almost hit Carson in the face with our microphone. <laughs> it's okay. So just to... Um, um, I also have one more question for you, Electra. So you mentioned that it's much easier to overturn legislation and parliamentary governments because it's so much easier to pass them. Would you rather have it make it harder to pass legislation or do you think it's like, okay? Mm, I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know if I'd wish it was harder. I just think that some things that now are more volatile would be settled down and set to be very steady and like unchanged by any political party to come because everything, everything changes with every political party that is in charge. So maybe deciding upon some some things that would remain unchanged. I think that's that's the best solution. There are also some studies that talk about the inherent democrativeness of these different types of government systems. So Gehring says that institutional conflicts may be easier to solve in parliamentary systems. So he explains like conflicts between the legislature and the executive, between national and local governments, etc. And he argues basically that it's easier to get more diverse opinions and it's easier to come to resolutions in parliamentary governments. He also says that parliamentarism integrates a diversity of views and there's greater incentives for actors to reach agreements. He explains the alignment of political careers and electoral incentives. So presidential systems have the capacity and often this incentive to say no or to insist upon side payments in exchange for support, which results in agreements that may impose like higher in transaction costs than in a parliamentary system. This can pretty much be seen in the Inflation Reduction Act that just passed. So in exchange for passing this bill, the Democratic Party agreed to support Joe Manchin's um, push for uh, reform of the permitting process, which didn't actually happen, but that's neither here nor there. Kent mentions that parliamentary governments have downsides as well. So he says that they may exacerbate regional tensions, encourage party fragmentation, stifle bipartisan cooperation, um, etc. He says that it's not necessarily true that these facts are all worse in parliamentary governments than they are in presidential governments. McManus says that the competition between two presidents and two parties in the legislature for legitimacy damages the stability of democracy. And then finally, there's contrasting opinions on accountability. So one study, McManus, likes presidential governments because there are no coalitions in the government. So it's pretty clear, like, who's actually running the show or getting things done. Whereas Kent thinks that parliaments is better, parliamentary governments are better for accountability because it concentrates responsibility in the party in power. Do you think that your government system or the other government system is, like, a better for democracy? Or do you think that they kind of all even out in the end? I think the parliamentary system is more inclined towards democracy because of the idea of having a spectrum of different ideas, um, like giving people the ability to actually choose what kind of polit- political beliefs they want to adopt, not having like either this or the other. Because when you give people like only two choices, there are those who will just refrain and will choose not to participate at all. 
but yeah, when you have a variety and like a, a diversity of, of political choices, of political beliefs to follow and different leaders, different opinions, um, it gives you the freedom to actually understand where your your own values fall into. So it's more democratic, definitely, than having like a binary system. Yeah, I all, I agree, actually. I think that parliamentary systems are uh, better for democracy. So on the parliamentary side, uh, coalitions basically force more cooperation, which, of course, is good for a democracy because you want, you know, basically everyone in your country to have a say on how the country is run. But on the presidential side, um, the biggest flaw in... And the thing that kind of like pushes us away from basically going towards democracy is like I, you know, I'll just go back to the metaphor of a team of like how you basically are always like working or cheering for your team. Um, And so basically both political parties just now try to do what's best for their party instead of what's best for the country. Um, And so you have politicians just doing things now for political expediency for you know just staying in power and um you know just helping their their team uh you know remain winning and that is ultimately not great for democracy uh when you're valuing your party over what's best for the okay this perfectly segues into something that i couldn't find any real research on, but on something that I personally find really interesting about parliamentary governments, which is the nature of coalition building. One of the papers I just mentioned before, McManus says that basically parliamentary governments are better for stability and democracy because um, there's smoother transition in parliamentary governments and also because competition between the two presidents and two parties in a legislature um, for legitimacy damages the stability of democracy. And you could argue that we recently just saw this. You know, there was the whole controversy about the transition uh, between Trump to Biden, January 6th, etc. Um, and so there's clearly problems with the stability of presidential government systems. However, coalitions in parliamentary governments also have their problems. So this can be seen in a lot of... Um, recent examples. So for example, Italy, I think for more than five years has been having problems having like a long lasting stable coalition and government. Um, And uh, the United Kingdom recently just uh, switched prime ministers, you know, three times in one year, or I guess twice, it's just the third prime minister. But uh, this whole system of replacing the prime minister is frankly undemocratic as their new prime minister is not elected by the whole population. It's only elected by parliament members and then paying members of the party in charge. And then lastly, there's Israel, which in had to have four elections to get a prime minister um, between, I think, was it 2019 and 2021? Or it basically it took four elections to get one government to actually run the country, not to mention the fact that Bibi Netanyahu had like fucking <laughs> charges filed against him and was in court while this was happening. But that, that's kind of a unique situation. But anyway, so do we think that the parliamentary systems are better for stability, even though they have this whole coalition problem? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the biggest problem with parliamentary democracies is the fact that sometimes their governments just fail when they can't form coalitions um if if there is a way to install like safety nets within the system 
um, to prevent democracies from collapsing this way, then yes, it is worth it. But that is always a significant risk um, of of the downfall of a parliamentary system. Hmm. I'll still say I'll still say it's worth it, but still, at the end of the day, the the whole government, at least for Greece, I know that it's run by this very few elite people that are in the political parties and just go on for generations and generations to come. I mean, literally, they're the same families, the same people for 50 years, the same names that actually lead the country. So whatever, even even when like elections fail, we have, we have had that before in Greece. There was, there was like this big decision whether we would change um, and go back to the previous like kind of money that we would use, mu- currency, instead of euros, we, we were about to switch back to the old currency that we had. And most people, I think in that decision, most people said yes, but then the government said no. It was, uh, yeah. So what I mean, what I mean to say is that at the end of the day, regardless how democratic a system is in a parliamentary system, um, I think there are a few people that will actually make the decisions that rule the country. But I totally agree on the part that you had about the safety nets because we've seen that in way too many countries to not learn. Um, So, yeah. Okay, so we covered quite a few differences between parliamentary and presidential government systems. And we discussed how a lot of the differences could actually be, you know, mitigated. So, for example, it may be easier to pass legislation in a parliamentary government, but it's also easier to undo it. You both then agreed at the end that probably parliamentary systems are better. So if you had to pick one factor, which one would you pick that, like, makes you think that? Ultimately, I think that the factor that matters the most is probably just like support of legislation um because ultimately you know the government is elected for the people right i mean it's it's elected to make decisions that are popular for the most people that benefit the most people and so i feel like the most important factor should be what benefits the most people uh yeah looking at from the perspective of the alternative of having people divided into two opposing belief systems, like two opposite options, I think the parliamentary system wins. Because exactly, if you represent the people, you want to have a variety of different values, and that's how you do it. Instead of like forcing people to fight each other over two different parties. So my question, my final question is, your thoughts on mixing and matching attributes of the two government systems. Because some parts of these systems can coexist. So for example, the single member plurality district that the United States has is not inherent to a presidential government system. So do you think that the solution is mixing and matching or you know, instituting reforms to the type of government system that you already have? Or do you think that that's not the solution. They can't coexist, and you should just kind of figure out how your government system works and work within that system. No, I feel like it would be uh, definitely interesting if we had like a coalition system in the U.S. I mean, instead, like it's definitely possible. I feel to have um, multiple, you know, more than two parties, or it would be interesting to have a coalitional system. 
as a proud Greek, I do not feel jealous of America. No, I think it's it. Um, I don't think there's a, any part of the system. Hmm. Perhaps the uh, the fact that correct me if I'm wrong. When elections um, are going on, it depends on the number of the population. Uh, how's, how can I say this? Like the importance of the votes depends on the population, right? Yes, that is correct, but only for um, presidential elections. So for most elections, it just matters who gets the plurality, so who gets the most votes. Some states, you have to have more than 50%. Most states, you just have to have more votes than the other person who's running or the other people who are running. But when it comes for voting for president, we have the Electoral College, which basically delegates votes based on state. So each state gets the number of representatives they have in the House of Representatives, which is based on population, plus the number of senators they have, which is plus two. Um, So it's basically you don't count as an individual vote. You count as an individual vote to your state, which then... um, distributes its electors or its votes based on who wins that state. So it's a bunch of popular vote contests. Yeah. See, that's so complicated. That's so complicated. I don't know, because Greece is not that big, it doesn't, it wouldn't really matter, I think, to make it in different districts, you know, to divide it and try to, like, show the importance of the votes depending on the population. I think I'm satisfied with the system the way it is, but that doesn't mean it's not biased because it really, really is. Um, But yeah, I'm voting for the parliamentary system. Okay, so that concludes all my questions for our esteemed illustrious guests. And I'm just going to pass the microphone around for any concluding thoughts. Uh, Did your opinions on anything change? Do you learn anything new? Take it away. Uh, well, I, I definitely have not thought this hard about like the parliamentary system. And so like, I do think that there are, you know, there are a lot of benefits to that system. Um, you know, with that being said though, you know, the U S is the oldest continuous democracy democracy. And with that, there are a lot of problems that exist. Uh, you know, our systems right now have, you know, changed a little bit, but by and large, they are the same as they were when they were invented in the Continental Congress nearly, uh, you know, a little over 200 years ago. And so it is interesting to look at other countries with newer democracies and see how some of their problem or some of the problems with, with the U.S. system have been solved with other democracies. Um, with all that being said, you know, no government system is perfect, but it is interesting to see how different systems work, you know, in relation to these different factors we've been talking about, like um, the support of legislation and the effectiveness of passing legislation and um, representation of, of um, ideologies. And I don't know, I mean, this discussion has definitely got me to, to think a lot more about that. Thank you very much, Carson. Yeah, I've never thought about like the parliament system and presidential system that much and I realized that I don't know that many details about my own country's system but I still don't know if I'm interested enough to learn uh, <laughs> uh, what I know for sure is that you can't run democracies as perfectly especially like with so many people living in countries I think it's like in a country 
as big as the U.S., it's really impossible to... I, I don't think it, if a, a parliamentary system would even work. You need to have, like, a very strict way of controlling all the different, like, beliefs and all the, the decisions that have to be made. But it's also funny to see, like, a small country compared to just Greece having so many problems with the government. Uh, but, yeah, definitely an insight on governments. Thank you for helping us understand what we don't know. And thank you both so much for coming here. We recorded this on a Friday afternoon, so I really appreciate um, my two guests giving up their lovely, actually it's quite nice outside today, giving up their lovely afternoon to come and sit in a little studio with me and talk about nerdy crap. So that was not better than the other word I was going to say. Thank you also for listening to this episode of BP Radio. For more content like this, check out BP Radio wherever you get podcasts. Also visit brownpoliticalreview.org to see more of the exciting work we're doing here at the Brown Political Review. Thanks. And for those of our scholarly and astute listeners who actually want to know the full citations of the sources that I cited, I'll be proceeding with those right now. So the Gehring paper was written by John Gehring, Strom C. Thacker, and Carola Moreno, and the title is Are Parliamentary Systems Better? And it was published in the Comparative Political Studies Journal. The Kent paper is by R. Kent Weaver, and it's also titled Are Parliamentary Systems Better? And it was written in the Brookings Review. Um, The McManus paper is by Richard McManus and F. Oskin, and the title is Who Does Better for the Economy, Presidents versus Parliamentary Democracies? And it was published in Public Choice. And the Dyermeyer study, which I'm certain I pronounced wrong, um, was written by Daniel Dyermeyer and Rosvin Vlachiu. Um, The title is Executive Control and Legislative Success. It was in the Review of Economic Studies. And the second Dyermeyer paper was written again by Daniel Dyermeyer and Pohan Fong, and it was titled Legislative Bargaining with Reconsideration in the Quarterly Journal of Economics. And the last paper um, was written by Scott Mainwaring and Matthew Shugart and Juan Linz, and the title is Presidentialism and Democracy, a Critical Appraisal, and it was in Comparative Politics Journal. Thank you again so much for listening, and this concludes this episode of BP Radio.